Tanya for the 10th of Sivan, but first the story. The Baal Shem Tov once had the um, opportunity, let's call it, to spend, a, spend an hour in a, in a house that belonged to an idol worshiper. And in his house, he had some form of iconology, some form of symbol there that represented idol worship. And when the Bashanta came out, the Bashanta was very happy. And he told his students, I had the opportunity to keep all the mitzvahs of the Torah. So he asked him, how is that? And so he said that Torah law forbids us when in the presence of anything filthy to not say words of Torah, not even think words of Torah. And I was in a filthy place, a place I, with idol worship, iconology, which you know is equivalent to filthiness. And I kept every single thought in check in my mind, and of course my my words and action as well, to ensure that no um, Torah um, was I was not involved in Torah the entire time. And so he said, "It's as if I kept the entire Torah because I kept away from doing idol worship." Reb David of Vino, a great sadik after the Bashan, said this story of the Bashan helps us explain something very interesting. We see by Yaakov Avinu. That when Yaakov was meeting Esau, he said about his time in love, and he said, "In love and Gaiti, with love and I lived." And Rashi says that Yaakov was saying that I kept all Gaiti, all six hundred thirteen Gaiti is a gematria of six hundred thirteen. Rearrange the words as Taryag. He said I kept all six hundred thirteen commandments while I was with love and asked David didn't wait. Hold up. Yaakov you know, wasn't an Eretz Yisrael. There, there are many laws that apply only in Eretz Yisrael. And he said the answer is Yaakov had extreme control. And he ensured and made sure that whenever he was in a location, a situation where in Olavan's house, there was an idol, for example, he made sure that he didn't learn Torah or didn't involve himself um, in, in holiness while in the presence of idol worship. And that was his giving all the Torah. Very interesting story. Chapter three is doing along the same line, understanding God's relationship with the world, God's unity in spite of the fact that we have a world here. And we, we spoke about the word of God, the Asaramaris, that invests itself in everything. In order for something to be a something, in order for anything to be existing, it needs to have the continual word of God inside of it, giving it energy. Now, we explained that the word of God does go on a bit of a journey because the original 10 sentences only cover a few items. But restructuring through switching of letters and computation of letters and re, re, um, re, um, calibration of letters, let's call it, we're able to create absolutely everything. So the soul of a stone, for example, is a is a, is a reconfiguration of one of the ten utterances. After these truths that everything in this world needs to be created something from nothing continuously. He realized that everything in this world is really nothing. We assume, and before learning the Tanya, that a chair is a chair. It's a real chair. But now the truth of the matter is, when we start to think about it, we realize, hold up, the chair is not a chair at all. The chair is nothing. What really is something? The soul of the chair. What's really giving it the life and energy, the continual force of God that enables a chair to be a chair, not to be alive, but to be actually existing, whatever it is. So the chair, whatever it is, is absolutely nothing compared to the energy that's powering it. 
Now you argue, hold up, I see a chair. You're arguing, you're going to tell me that there's a power of God that's so much more, and the chair really is nothing, but the energy of God that's powering up the chair, that's really something. But I still see a chair, so what's going on? And the answer says the Alter Rebbe is because we aren't able to comprehend and see because of the limitations of the world, the way it's, the way it's been created, the true power of what's really going on. So we look at a, a chair, we assume that's it. And we don't realize that there is a power of God invested in the chair, enabling the chair to be a chair. And that's really what the chair is. And the, the not illusion, because it's a real world, but the, the perspective that we see the world as is not really as truthful as we'd like to believe. If we were able to see the truth, we wouldn't be able to see anything. And this brings me to the second story. The Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya, before he passed away, was once, well, before he passed away, three days before he passed away, was lying on the bed, extreme pain. He was, um, he was extremely ill. They stopped at a, t- a small little town, and in the town, the Alter was trying to recuperate, but the it wasn't looking good. And it was three days before he passed away, and he was sitting next, and the Samach was sitting next to him, and they were talking. And at some point, the Alter Rebbe turns to the Samach and says, "What do you see?" And the Alter was looking at the roof, and the Samach said, "I see the beams of the roof." And the Alter says, "I don't see that anymore. I just see the energy of God giving life to it." Before the Alter passed away, he was able to start seeing the world as it really was. And the truth of the world is, with, that, with physical eyes, we see whatever truth we see. Physical chairs and physical table, physical trees and plants and ground. But the real truth of the matter is, it's the godly word that keeps everything in check. It keeps everything alive, and it's continuously flowing through it. And if a person like the Alter was able to see it right before he passed away, if a person was able to see the truth of the world and see really the word of God, that's all he would really see because that is really the truth of what's going on. Because the physical chair is really entirely nullified to the energy of God that's actually powering it up. If the chair, let's talk about the chair specifically. If the chair didn't get the godly energy going to it, the chair wouldn't be destroyed. It wouldn't fall apart. The chair would cease to be. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't, it wouldn't fall apart. It wouldn't destroy. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be. It, it, that makes a sense, of course, to our mind. But it, it is right now something because godly energy is flowing into it. If godly energy wasn't flowing into it, if it's the godly energy ceased from coming into that chair, that chair would cease to be. Which means, really, the true existence of the chair is the godly energy. What we see with our physical eyes is, is nothing short of, a, of nothing. That's really nothing because it's not really the truth of the matter. Because if we weren't able to see it, but God was still giving it energy, well, it would continue to be. But if God can stop giving it its energy, it would cease to be, which means the only real force that's making it exist is the godly energy, not the fact that we're able to see a physical thing. Which means the real truth of the matter is it's nothing. The chair is nothing. And the table is nothing. And what's the only thing that's real in this world is the godly energy that powers everything up. 